welcome again to the Space Biff Spacecast. As always, I am your host, Dan Thoreau. And today, we are extra lucky because I have been playing a board game that I adore. Now, those people who maybe have been following me for a while know that I love hidden movement, maybe because I love cheating at board games. And hidden movement games are the easiest games to cheat at. Just kidding. I do like to cheat, though. But... The game in question is Mind Management, the Psychic Espionage Game. And joining me today are Jay Cormier and Sen Fung Lim, the designers of this game. Welcome, Sen and Jay. Hello. Hey. I like how you put the question mark at the end of game. Game? <laughs> it was perfect. perfect. Yeah, I was, uh, I was thinking, should I quote unquote? Mm-hmm. No, but that's, that's too crude, isn't it? We're going to start this off with us asking you a question. Why do you think game is in quotes? You know, I, uh, let's see. I think it was um, Monday I finished reading Mind Management. Ooh. The the comic series by Matt Kent that your game is based on. And I only read it because of playing your wonderful game. Um, And let me say, it is super annoying because the Omnibus has three parts and the first part seems to be out of print or something. Yes. Um, so I have it like back ordered for whenever they do another printing. But I had to get it from my library. But I, I bought volume two and three. Um, and I read the first one in one sitting <laughs> because I was so enthralled. And then, of course, the second and third spread out over a few days because I had to go and, and buy them. Um, and I think that in a way, that's kind of a spoiler. <laughs> because i would say that mind management is a comic oh yes <laughs> um but that is a good question when why did you decide to put game in mind management the psychic espionage game why did you put it in doubt quotes well the the whole concept and you even tell from reading some of the outside scribblings on the uh, box where it, it implies that this is maybe an uh, activation kit for agents that were, are trying to be recruited into mind management. Um, mm-hmm. And so, or maybe it's a game. I'm not sure. We're not sure. Also, if you've, if you've read the comics, which you have, Dan, uh, then you'll know that there are definitely sleeper agents who get activated uh, by, you know, messages and things. So maybe by mm. just playing the game, you have now become recruited into the organization of mind management maybe you have psychic powers dan i actually do have psychic powers what are they tell me yeah my psychic power and my wife thinks that this is the worst power but i think it's the best i can fall asleep pretty much whenever i want to yes i like that power that is a high grade power (laughs) you can't be erased when you're asleep really yeah your your mind i I don't yeah true totally true I, ho- however, I hope However, that's true. <laughs> however, the Dreamwalker will get you. That's just, true, just and so that you would know. be I would be very uneasy because I do dream quite vividly. But um, my wife hates it because um, when it's when it's bedtime, uh, I can pretty much just tuck myself in and I can stay up and read if I want for hours, or I can just say, "Nah, I'm fatigued," and fall asleep. And my wife is one of these people who ha- she has to be comfortable, and the temperature has to be right, and the, <laughs> the lights need to be there has to be the exact 
correct, you know, uh, waveform and quantity. She's right there. She's sitting on the couch next to me. There has to be the right lumens in the air. You have to use your psychic powers on her before she. Oh yeah, there you go. What does your wife have psychic powers? Um, Let me ask, Summer. Do you have psychic powers? No. Just (laughs) she says No. no. No, not really. No. She hasn't read mind management yet. She's hoping <laughs> no, to. She uh, hasn't been activated yet. No, she okay. hasn't been activated. Um, but I have. But I already knew that power about myself. Do you <laughs> have psychic powers, both of you? Uh, Sen, what is your psychic power? Uh, my psychic power is pretty similar to yours. I well, actually, my psychic power is that I'm the opposite of the tall man, right? So if you remember the tall man project in mind management and Matt's actual other comic called, you know, the giant man. Um, what was it called? Three story man. Two-story? I can't yeah, remember, yeah, Jay. Story, yeah, yeah. Uh, about the giant man project. I am the opposite. I am the small man project. But then can... you actually have an actual in this game, an actual. Oh, that is like, true. Uh... I do actually have a real <laughs> one in this game. Uh, what actually is it, Jay? Because it made me laugh, so I forgot it. Occupational therapy. Yeah, that's not. Really, that's my job. <laughs> no, but that's what the person is, and you can occupy their mind for yes. free or something. Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can occupy their minds. Uh, but actually, I mean, so yes, that plus I'm super small and I can fit anywhere. And when I fit anywhere, I actually usually fall asleep in that place too. So I'm very much like you, Dan. Oh, very good. <laughs> yeah. How 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 small are you? I'm five foot two and 125 pounds. Really, that is small. Yeah, <laughs> kind of is. <laughs> My thirteen-year-old a... is officially taller. I am officially the shortest person, <laughs> well, sm- actually the smallest person in my entire family now because I'm lighter oh, and no. shorter than everybody. Uh, my whole life, I've been short-ish, but I'm five seven. Um, I like it. I never bonk my head, right? Ever. My my kids ask me because my my youngest Eli has been playing. Um, NBA 2K. So he like he loves basketball. He loves volleyball. And his uncle is like 6'3". My wife's like 5'9". So that side of the family is, you know, giant and huge. You know, my, my niece is on, uh, you know, she's an Arizona Sun Devil basketball player. All that kind of stuff. So sports, 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 basketball, volleyball. And <laughs> so my son is like just cursing me out for being so short he's like how come i had to get half your jeans why can i get you know uncle greg's jeans instead i said well it's not how it works buddy so he's he's kind of upset but uh we're small but mighty on my side of the family my i have a sister who is very short um she uh she has type 1 diabetes and she got it very young and it stunted her growth a little bit and so i don't know exactly how tall she is but she comes up she can like hug my sternum basically right and um and she uses the uh we are small but mighty quote quite a bit exactly there you go she is mighty she's in medical school (laughs) she's very smart and very mighty there you go so jay what is your psychic power um i think uh, based on this game and when i say based on this game there's uh there's this all, many packages in the game that are sealed, and when you open them, they, each of them come with a comic book. One of the comic books has Sen and I in the comic book with secret, secret powers, and mine literally is that I can uh, design board games, and people will follow the rules that I put into these board games uh, in real life. <laughs> you know, one of the things I love about board games is that it really is a crystallized distillation of you. Uh, so you two have designed this game, and now you are beaming it across time and space 
and I am it's it's like a psychic game of Simon says and I'm doing it. Yes. So you are mind controlling me. We mm-hmm. are totally. Unless I break the rules. Well, <laughs> you wouldn't but, do that. But maybe we maybe purpose. we want you to break the rules. <laughs> oh, hence the doubt quote on mm. the game. So the two of you are probably best known uh, among fans for being the Bamboozle Brothers. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Now, I I have played a couple of your collaborations. Um, I've played Junk Art, which I adore. Huzzah! Yay. And I have also played Akrotiri. Huzzah! Uh, and I liked both of them. Um, I liked Akrotiri, love Junk Art. That's both positive, so you can That's okay. Happy. That's good. Um, so what what's the origin story of the Bamboo... Both you individually and as the Bamboozle brothers yeah well jay why don't you start well i mean set and i met in the college university days back in hamilton ontario at mcmaster university um uh through various geeky ways uh and uh, sen introduced <laughs> me to uh the world of magic the gathering let alone other games like supremacy back in the day and wow, so he was like your drug pusher totes yeah. totes and uh, I fell hard for Magic the Gathering. I totally loved it. And then that just kind of like, as that, and I wouldn't say petered out, but, and even our interest in this, like, petered out, just our kind of budget petered out. Um, <laughs> and so we had to you know, shift to other interests. And so we had another mutual friend named Errol who had tons and tons of board games uh, back then when they were called German board games. And uh, we got playing a bunch of those and Sen got hooked on them really fast. And But Sen even grew up playing even like, not even grew up, but like uh, in the universities playing like the r- crayon rail games that I was always like watching over his shoulder. I'm like, what is that? What are you doing? Anyways, yeah. eventually we got um, to a place where we both played a bajillion games and we did that thing that a lot of the, you know new designers do. And we're like, hey, you know what? We could make a game better than this. And eventually uh, we tried and we didn't, we couldn't, we <laughs> failed hard. miserably. We couldn't, yeah, we tried and we just did, couldn't figure it out and we stopped doing it because it was hard and we didn't know how to do it. And I guess we said what most people say at that time, I guess we're, we're not supposed to be designers, I guess. And we kind of left it at that. And it wasn't until I moved away from uh, living near Sen to uh, uh, other side of Canada and to British Columbia, Vancouver, and uh, we said for a way to stay together and stay in touch, said, well, let's use games as a way to stay in touch. Let's try to do games again. We'll try to make games even though we're apart. We'll just use technology and stuff like forums and, and uh, all this kind of technology to try to stay in touch. And that actually was the catalyst to keep things going. And we just started making tons and tons of games and then eventually got to a point of like, well, what do we do with these games? And this is before any anything was online for new designers. Like literally there was nothing online for new designers of what to do now. Um, and so we just started like going to conventions like randomly and like, Hey, we look at my game. Like we just didn't know what to do or how to do it. It was very, uh, very good. Very interesting. And so we actually documented that on our bamboozlebrothers.com website where we listed the 30 some odd steps that we took to get our game published. And so other people can read that and follow that and, and see if it works for them too. And is that kind of the genesis of, uh, you've done, I know that you've written your blog and you've also done the pitch project. Does that kind of come out of that, uh, that own void that was there when you began? Yeah, I think so. I, I think it's not that we were disappointed that, was not, that there was nothing. It's just that we, both Jay and I are like healthy people. We like helping other people. Yeah. Um, we both, and we so, both teach. Yeah. And so, so we like mentorship 
and we believe that that is a good thing that you know uh you know you push from the bottom you pull from the top many all you know all ships are raised or whatever the saying is you know all those things that are platitudes but are really actually true especially in an industry like this if we want a small sort of niche industry like hobby gaming to be popular the more games that are made it doesn't matter if you make it or i make it it just matters that they're made so that the culture continues and if the culture continues then there's more opportunities for everybody in that culture to actually you know, get ahead and make games and make some money or whatever their goal is, make a game um, and, you know, make this happen uh, and keep it going for a longer period of time. And because mentorship's a big part of what we believed in, uh, we got hooked up with a group called Game Artisans of Canada, which is now sort of kind of still running in some shapes, but not always. Uh, You know, obviously the pandemic kind of did a lot of groups in but uh, we were kind of fading a little bit before that too because a lot of the group members like if i name the group members you go oh yeah that guy you know that that publisher like so all of roxley were game artisans of canada you know jay myself jesse wright um josh capel uh erica buuris um daryl andrews chris chung you know so anybody who was canadian and was you know, on the verge of getting published in around 2015, 2010, they were probably members of the Game Artisans of Canada. And we really believed in mentorship that, you know, we give a little, we get a little, we give a little, we get a little, and we keep raising other people up uh, because mentorship by itself helps the mentor as much as it helps the mentee. And, right. and it was amazing because there are some people who weren't part of the group and they just didn't understand, you know, why would you help your competitors? And it's like, well, they're not really our competitors. We're all in this kind of together, you know, and they, they didn't really get it until they saw sort of the magic that happens when you help other people, um, that you're invariably helping yourself in a lot right. of ways. Like you learn so much from mentorship, but you're also making the culture a better place to be. So yeah, that that's sort of uh, the second step I get of the uh, guess of our origin in terms of designing uh, and becoming more a part of the community and the, and the culture of game design. Well, I'm really happy to hear that you do mentorship in, in academia. That is such a natural thing. There's, there's this excitement especially in my field in history, there's almost this uh, sense that you're creating disciples <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's not, it's not that formal. It's not that weird. Um, but just in the sense that you're, you're creating collaborators, um, that you'll persist in some way uh, through the collaborations you've made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I really think that's true. So Sen, you are... Jay's origin point. So where did, was it just magic for you or where did you get into games? What's oh, your, what's just it back in the paleolithic? What was your yes, stone let's, let's age go back. Origin? Let's go way yeah. back to the year of 1978 when six year old Sen Fung Lim was dragged by his mom and dad to Algoma university in oh Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, Canada to the basement. Dun, oh, dun, dun, where there were, dark. Like old people, oh, older than playing board games and Dungeons and Dragons. So when I was six years old, I was that precocious kid who had read 
you know, the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings twice at, you know, age six kind of person. Yeah. And so my parents, you know, being my parents didn't know what to do, except my mom was an avid BBC listener. And so that's how I got into things like the Hobbit and stuff like that, because, you know, on BBC, they talk about this type of stuff. And she grew, uh, she went to school in England and (laughs) they were starting to talk around this time about Dungeons and Dragons. And so my mom, also being this kind of resourceful person, found out that there was a Dungeons and Dragons group at our local college slash university. It was a college at the time. It's now a university. Um, And so she dragged me there when I was six years old. (laughs) And I was playing Dungeons and Dragons. Actually, I was playing Chainmail at first, uh, the very first iteration of, of Dungeons and Dragons when I was six years old. And I just never stopped playing, much to their chagrin. Uh, which is kind of funny because my parents and me and gaming don't actually go out, get along very well. And it's like, you did this to me, mom. You put me in that basement. <laughs> this is this is the result of this, is that I am, uh, I always thought about things in gaming. I, I, I always made games as a kid. I would make games as my projects. Um, whenever there was a project to be done, it would become a game. Um, and so games were always a big part of my life. Um, until actually university, which is funny, which is where I met Jay, uh, where they were a big deal. And then, Jay, do you remember when I sold everything? Your magic, yes. Yeah, I sold everything, Dan. I I oh, had, no. well, because, so, I mean, you know, higher education, you kind of get serious about it and go, oh, right. I should actually focus on <laughs> my education <laughs> and my future. And um, because I am so... I'm such a, I'm a big completist. Uh, so I owned four of every single card ever in Magic the Gathering. Uh, what? Up on, yeah, up until a certain time. So up until, I believe, the Dark. Was it the Dark, Jay? It might have been the Dark. It might have been that or the set after the Dark. Like, I owned four of every card because you could play with four of everything yeah. uh, at the time. Um, I had four of the Power Nine. I, I had everything. Uh, I had Alpha cards. I had Beta cards. I had full sets of Beta. Yeah, That's crazy. Yeah, and you was, sold it all. Yeah, or you have them now, or you no? Oh, if I had them now, Dan, I wouldn't be talking to you. I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'd be on my jet stream flying somewhere. No, um, I sold them all to pay for my education. So, oh, very cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after first, after my first degree, it's like, oh, I actually want to be serious about my life. Uh, I also have no money. What did I do? Oh, I paid. I you know bought boxes of magic cards. That's what I did with that money. So what am I going to do now? Oh, I guess I should actually sell them. So I sold them all, uh, which was actually good um, because, and, and I actually stopped role-playing at the time, which was actually my first love of gaming was role-playing games. And I stopped doing all of that to focus on school. And that's actually why board games became a thing. Uh, so from Jay's side of the story, and it's true, you know, our friend Errol was getting us into all these board games. He's another guy who we lived with. Um, and he's actually uh, very like a big player in the escape room world um, yeah. and puzzle hunts and stuff like that. But um, it was because there was this void of gaming. For some reason, all the games that I chose to like were like these sort of um, lifestyle games, like where you had to dedicate like a whole part of your life to it. Like, 
like tournaments and collecting and yeah. painting miniatures. So I, I loved Warhammer 40k and I loved Magic the Gathering and I loved RPGs. Um, but they took up so much of my mental space and my mental time that it was just easier for me to get rid of it all. And so I gave up. I literally stopped. I sold all my armies. I had like rifle cases full of miniatures. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I sold them all. Like That's like $4,000 worth of miniatures gone. Um, and I sold, uh, I sold every single card I owned. Well, not really every single card I owned, but like the bulk of all the cards, I sold it to one collector in Italy uh, for a whole lot of money, enough to pay for the rest of my education. And I got out of lifestyle games. But because of that void, I needed gaming in my life somehow. And board games were this perfect fit at the time where I could play the game and then literally pack it up and put it on the shelf and not think about it till next game night. Right. Right? Because I didn't have to worry about, oh, I got to write backstory for my character. Oh, or I have to paint these miniatures for the battle next week. Or, oh, I've got to collect all these cards and deck build. Because yeah. I would do that for hours and hours. Jay saw me. Jay witnessed all of this as I was like, mm. you know, <laughs> digging deep into my decks going, oh, four of these and three of these and one of these. Because um, I'm a competitive guy and I'm a completist and that's what happened. And I had to mentally say, no, <laughs> I want an education. Now, I think the twist here is we need to clarify, you got your degree, right? Oh, yeah. I have three okay. degrees. I, I was afraid we, you'd say... And then I still didn't finish. No, 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 no. That would be a real downer. No, I I have this, this, okay, so you asked what my psychic powers are. One of my superpowers is that anything I put my mind to, I actually accomplish. So I just have to put my mind to it. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember Jay? Jay actually, um, Jay and I get into these fights all the time. Not fights, but just little funny arguments. Like um, when, when rollerblading was a big deal, Mm-hmm. Jay and I had rollerblades, and uh, one day, uh, I don't know what we saw, Jay, or we saw somebody doing like tricks on it. I said, "Oh, I wonder if I could do that." Because you break your legs. I go, "No, I could probably do that if I tried." I just never tried, but I bet you, Jay, I still could do it if I tried, man. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Here, I'll give it to you. Sure, there you go. So, tell me about this latest adventure in publishing. Um, so, it's off the page games. Is it a joint venture of Bamboozle mm-hmm. Brothers, or is it more Jay's thing? It's more Jay's thing. Yeah, it's just me. Yeah. Well, basically, we, we made mind management and we pitched it to a company They and a publisher signed it. And we're like, all right, see you later. Let us know when it's out. And uh, then uh, months later into production, uh, they went under. And we're oh, like, oh, no. man. And so we met with Matt Kent. And it was actually Matt's idea. Matt said, why don't we uh, why don't we just do it ourselves? He goes, you guys publish it and I'll do all the art for it. So I thought about it and I came back to Sen. And I said, Sen, I mean, you got a full-time job. And I, I've actually been able to be moved down to part-time at my job job, uh, uh, which has been nice that they've been allowed me to do that, which gives me two days a week that I can work on board games. So I said, why don't, why don't I publish it as a publisher? And then you, you stay on, obviously, as the designer of the game and and Sen was said, yeah, that makes sense because, you know, he's got a full-time job. Right. And so, yeah, from then on, I was then had to like, okay, so if I'm going to be a publisher, the next thing was I'm really big on branding and um, having a, an identity. Mm-hmm. And I did that when I, I came up with my Fail Faster playtesting journal. And then when I, for this one, I wanted to have some sort of raison d'etre, if you will. And if you, I, I kind of get a little, not annoyed, but kind of like there's too many publishers out there where, their like mission statement is like to make fun games for everyone to play. 
Yeah. And, and so it's really hard to identify a game that, oh, that's for sure from this publisher with, with a few exceptions. Like for example, like restoration games, I always call out because like they have a very clear mission. Like we're going to restore old games uh, right. that you played in the eighties or whatever and, and make you know, change the mechanics and release them now with, with all blinged out. And yeah. it's, it's perfect, really easy identity. So I wanted something like that. So I, I came up with this off the page idea where a, the, the off the page, meaning all my games that are going to be from my company are, are going to be based on creator owned comic books. I don't want to be dealing with the Marvels and DCs and the corporate lawyers and all this kind of stuff. I want to deal with the creators who are passionate about their world that they created and are, are passionate about turning it into uh, a board game. And that so far has been awesome with Matt and with my second project that I've got lined up. So it sounds already like this is kind of a storied project. Uh, you've already indicated you had a publisher, then you didn't have a publisher. You had to talk to Matt Kent. So why don't we just rewind all the way um, back to the beginning and start with, okay, so we've got mind management. Where did it come from, this game that you co-designed? Um, well, it started with Sen at uh, Gen Con many moons ago, like at least five, if not six years ago. I can't really remember. Uh, standing outside the Oni Press booth, looking at a comic called The Sixth Gun and saying out loud to no one in particular, or maybe to me because I was standing there, he <laughs> said, I wonder who you'd have to talk to to get this uh, rights to make this into a board game. And somebody at the booth turned around and said, well, that'd be me. And we're like, oh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> and we chatted about it and introduced who we are. And we set up a meeting with ourselves as well as the creators of Sixth Gun the next day. And we're like, well, this is really cool. And so we talked about maybe making a game set in that world. And it was really cool. Uh, you know, short story, long story short for that one, that one never came to be. But while we were there, uh, I think it was Colin Bunn said, oh, you know who you should talk to? Matt. Matt's here. And I kind of perked up immediately. I'm like, Matt who? He's <laughs> like, Matt Kent. And I'm like, oh. I'm, a, I'm a huge fan already of Matt Kent stuff. I've liked all his stuff, met him and, and got him to do, commissioned him to do art for me. I have hanging in my office and stuff. So I'm a big yeah. fan of him. And he, Matt was right in that moment. And if you if you play board games or have, you'll remember that that glory age or, or period of time where there was just a bajillion games and you wanted to play them all and you just right. couldn't get enough of it. And you're like, what is this world? I can't. And he was right in that moment of games. And he was he was the person at Gen Con walking around with two or three big bags of purchased games. Ikea right. bags. He, he uses Ikea, Ikea bags. bags. Yeah. 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 And so, yeah, then we met and play, played games with him all night one night at Gen Con. Just played games with him all night. And he just... I don't know. He had played our Acroteria and liked it. So he knew who we were. We obviously knew who he was. Yeah. And I don't know if he just mentioned it offhanded because we, we didn't, I don't think we brought it up, but he just said, he just said something like, man, it'd be really cool if my management was a game. And Sen and I perked up immediately like, well, c can we do it? <laughs> and he, he, and he was almost as flabbergasted as we were. He's like, would you? And we're like, yes. And like, okay. And like, yeah. And then it was like this kind of awkward, like um, no handshake kind of like, I guess we're, yeah, let's do it. And so we left going, yeah, we're going to do it. And then I'll just, cause I'm talking too long. I'll let Sen continue the tale of how many iterations we had to do to uh, figure this bad boy out. Yeah, there was a lot. Um, <laughs> the first one was basically a ripoff of pandemic. Um where you had uh, to stop agents from um, doing... Well, it's, it was actually kind of cool. There's some cool stuff in there that maybe <laughs> we'll use one day. Uh, but it was basically putting out fires around the world as the rogue agents, which was okay. Uh, mm -hmm. It was a game, and it worked, but it was not very uh, compelling. It wasn't really new and innovative. 
uh, and it was just something that's like, yeah, that's not really speaking to mind management. And then we made this game about uh, memories because a lot of stuff in mind management is about memories and erased memories and all this right. kind of stuff. And so Jay had this idea where it was like cascading memories and your memories were cards that were pictures and these pictures would pictures would form tableaus that were actually cells from a comic and it was sequential storytelling. And it was didn't work. It didn't work is what happened to that one too. <laughs> like, so some of the games worked, Do you remember but the- didn't feel good. And some of the games felt awesome, but didn't work. Do you remember the almost party one of that we? Oh, that was Matt's. It was not Matt's idea. Yeah, it was. Yeah, tell them about that. that oh, was it was like. <laughs> well, it's this concept of like, can we make a game in which there some things you're not sure what's in the game and what's not in the game, right? And so people had these objective cards that in in in, in amongst playing the real game, you had these other objective cards that would say, "Get somebody to tell you the time." If you do, you get to move ahead two or whatever the the reward was. Or get somebody to get you a glass of water or gets like all these things that were outside of the game, but yeah. would affect you in game. And we thought it would be hilarious because that just to me, it really tickled us. Yeah, and, that, sounds, that sounds awesome. I know. But in playtest number one, it proved that when that all of a sudden people start understanding what's going to give other people points, everyone just shut up. Yeah, nobody did anything. So I'm not so going to talk because you I don't end up with you. a bunch of mannequins. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's exactly. So, what it didn't work. Yeah, it's too bad because it was such a funny idea. Yeah, could it work once or, yeah, or well, even within one play? Does it fall apart? You know, there there have been games that are kind of like this, like Sneaky Ninja from, uh, I think it's from Game Right, where you get like social missions, like take a selfie of yourself doing this. Uh, or take yourself, take a picture of somebody you got to do something. You know, there's stuff like that that's sort of there. Um, but uh, the idea of like a game that has a meta around it is fascinating. Um, whether or not we could make it so that people didn't know what was what, or maybe they get points by doing something, but penalized if they get other things. So a lot of it really is just incentivization, right? Because I think the way we had made it was that if you get somebody to do this, you get points and nobody wants to give another person points, but what if they got points if they did it? Yeah, sure. You know, that would change it. So just thinking about it now, um, yeah, that, you know, why couple, didn't you say that back then? That's perfect. Cause I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't, I don't know. Come on, Sen. I don't know. That's that wasn't fun. my superpower then. Yeah. You needed some automatic writing. Yes. Right. To preempt <laughs> your future ideas. There you go. And then, uh, then there was even this other idea that uh, said had, I guess it was kind of the pandemic one, but there was, it was a big board and we'd move around and it, it could have had um, a, a secret saboteur, whatever it's called a, a traitor, uh, which would have helped with the uh, experience. Uh, I don't know if we tested it ever with the, with that concept, but it could have had that. But uh, the thing was, none of these games really gave you the feeling, the experience, the emotional connection that the comic gives you that vibe. Yeah. And it wasn't until we we came not came up with not that we invented it, but we stumbled upon uh, what if it was a hidden movement game that uh, really started to get us thinking. Like, could, does that feeling? Do you get that feeling from it? And you, and you do. You're always trying to outguess or or plant seeds of doubt or uh, misdirect. And so it is very much a mental game that you're playing. So it really feels on par with mm-hmm. uh, the brand. That cat yeah. and mouse feeling is really important. Like I, I honestly feel like I have psychic powers, like I'm mind reading when I'm playing that game because as I usually play as the recruiter and I'll I'll listen to what everybody says and then I'll turn their own words against them. It's yes, awesome. 
It's such a good I, feeling. I love that. Well, and one of the things that I really love about that is just, um, I remember when I was playing as one of the rogue agents and, um, and one of my co-rogue agents goes, well, maybe he did this. And I just go, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> that you're, you're leaking too much information. Yeah. Just keep that in your head. <laughs> and later when I was reading the comic where there's this sense that yeah, even your thoughts can be monitored. And so there's kind of this sense of even locking away your thoughts to protect them. Uh, and, and seeing that mirrored in the game was just so perfectly done. Um, but where, so where did, where did the kernel of the idea for hidden movement come from? Were you playing a game uh, that evoked it or was it just that you had failed so many times that you, you reached the, uh, you, you went through A, B, C, D, E, uh, you reached H. No, it was an, an idea we had for another game, actually. It was, um, it was an idea that was in our heads about another thing. And then we thought, well, wait a minute. What have we applied, you know, mind management to this idea we had for a hidden movement game? Um, because so... If you if you've noticed by talking about our games and our our you know ludography, the different games that Jay and I have made over our careers, there's no like we don't have like you know how Uwe Rosenberg has like this is an Uwe Rosenberg game right and, yeah sure or you say Vita Lacerda this is a Vita Lacerda game, and you might be able to say that a little bit about our games, but what you'll notice about our games is that we never redo a, a genre or a type of game or a mechanical thing about a game, we're unless not, it's like a sequel. Dippers. We're not double dippers. <laughs> uh, and so we, we, we try to design, uh, and just even in like passing and thinking about stuff like, Hey Jay, we haven't ever designed an auction game. What if we did that? And then one day it was like, Hey, we've never designed a hidden movement game. What if we did that? And so we started to design one and it was not mind management, but eventually that is what became mind management. Uh, when we thought about what are our games, instead of inventing a new, whole new, wholly new game, are there any things that we have kind of sitting around that might fit? And I suggested it one day. What about hidden movement? That hidden movement thing we have. And initially, I was like, no, it doesn't seem like a fit. Yeah, like, <laughs> initially, I, I wasn't like, on no. board with it <laughs> until we actually sat down and like really applied it. Well, if this was this, then these people could be this, and this could be the immortals. And I'm like, oh yeah, good work. So, what did it look like in that yeah, embryonic was, really state about- before my management? Had the oh. same kind of board layout, like two features, the same mechanics was there. Um, uh, but so that that was all there, but it didn't have nowhere near all the growth and, uh, th- you know, thematic reasonings uh, for everything that's in there now. So it was pretty close, it sounds like. At least the Game, bones. The bones, yeah, the mechanics. Yeah, it, like, so when we work on um, licensed material, uh, we always have strong bones, and then we kind of apply the thematic skin over it mm-hmm. but we don't do it unless the bones and the skin are still connected if you if you get that anatomical <laughs> description <laughs> that doesn't actually make much sense but um what i what i mean is that um we want our games to be resonant we want the theme and the mechanic to talk to each other to reflect each other and to like kind of ring true yeah. to each other like when you hit it with a with a metal mallet, it's going to ring with a pure tone that these are supposed to be together. There's sure. not some dissonance between the mechanic and the theme, which we see so often in games, right? And 
that's that's kind of been, I think, our our hallmark in working on licensed games because Jay and I have done a bunch of them together and apart. That uh, we've been really successful in many cases of actually making that really resonant style of game. Um, sometimes, <clears throat> you know, to to only to the the benefit of the super fans of that thing but uh still the idea <laughs> of that is the the positive um you know making of intellectual property games that don't suck and i, I think is sure. one of our one of our skills <laughs> we make games that don't suck how's that <laughs> i you know given how many bad games i play i i don't mind that as an as a design ethos <laughs> so how did you bring them together what did it did it start informing the design more did the bones start oh, conforming absolutely. more to the tendons what what was that process like yeah once we could once then kind of convinced me and we had to actually sit down um and like okay let's let's see what's this then in, in my management because um in in the, the the original design it was much more of a physical chase um so like it, it, some initially i'm like there's not much ch- chasing didn't, didn't feel right and they said well what if what if it's the recruiter is the person that's out there I'm like oh that's yeah i guess the recruiter's out there but then um what where the, what are they going after and we're like maybe they're going for new recruits I'm like yeah you're right that could work they're going for new recruits i don't know what what the, what's in the original game what they were going for Oh, I think the person was like doing crimes. Yeah, they were committing spots. crimes at various spots. That's right. Oh, that's okay. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. like, so like, that's why it was a bit dissonant for us. Like, what what would the recruiter be doing at these locations? Like, get like doing crimes didn't make sense. So what are they doing there? Like, getting recruits. Oh, getting oh. recruits. Got it. Okay. And we had a totally different way of how um, it, how it worked. It was a weird system. All the way up until we pitched it, all the way up until <laughs> I true. became publisher, we had a weird way of tracking. You had you had this track where you had to move. The recruiter had this token that moved, like the time token, and you moved along one track. But then on the bottom of the track, uh, it counted up to 25, this track. You would start taking away tokens away from the bottom of the track for what, Sam? Whenever you got a... A hit or something? Or yeah, you- sort of like that. But basically, the, the end result it's is this. Weird. When the two paths crossed... You lose. Well, the recruit right? wins. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I meant yeah. the rogue agents. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so it was a neat idea, but it made it really um, obfuscated for everybody. Like, uh, why? What's, it was, like, it what's was very abstracted. Happening? Yeah, it was yes. very abstracted. And it sure. wasn't through until I was playtesting with some people. that one. It was just a playtester just said, what if it was just you win if you get enough recruits and you get rid of this other half? And I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe that, that that does feel a lot better. That feels more concrete and real. Yeah. Like, that's what would yeah. happen. And so, yeah, it really kind of grew. Are the best. <laughs> well, what's really funny is, so as we we knew that was kind of a wonky design part of it, but Sen and I, as we kind of have done often in game design, when it gets to a part where we don't, the, the effect is good, but maybe it's messy or clunky in how it's executed, um, we just say, well, the, we'll let the publisher worry about that because yeah. it's probably a graphic design thing or something or some way to represent it better. We uh, will let the publisher decide. And then of course now I became the publisher. So now I had to worry about it myself. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a big challenge. Yeah, The glove is on the other foot. Yeah. Um, and it and wasn't the- until we actually came up with it through that, because part of that, those tokens ended up being the step tokens. People, pl- the the recruiter would have all these numbered tokens behind their screen, and we have, have, have to find the right number. The it was number horrible. four, and put the four token face down on the board. And then when somebody revealed it, they would flip it up. It's like, oh, it's a four. 
And ah. so, so it was neat come up from a reveal standpoint, like, Ooh, cause you would, you would physically flip it up. And so I worked for so many uh, different ideas on how to make that work. And it wasn't until, uh, and then in tandem with that, the other challenge we always had with this game was how to allow the rogue agents to keep track of information because um, letting them write whatever they want, even though we tried that once, we said one player as an asymmetric power, you get a little notebook and you have a certain size piece of paper. You can write whatever you want on that piece of paper yeah. and whatever you want. But the problem is that not everyone can see it. So no one's really engaged except for that one player from all the history of the information. And then so we tried all these other different ways. What if we give you another mini board, just like the recruiter has this mini board. Yeah. And again, it's over there and only one person really kind of looks at it. And so it, this a solution was these mental note tokens solve both of those problems. And it was, so, it was such a brilliant move. And I, I, don't, I don't even know who to credit for the actual idea, but the fact that you now have these tokens, you actually draw right on with dry it, erase markers. It actually, it actually might have come out of talking to manufacturers. Yeah, I don't know. Really? Yeah, I can't remember how we came up with that one because I know it wasn't specifically me. Yeah, it, it, but it's, it's wild how that, if used properly, and I've seen a few playthroughs online where some people aren't using them effectively, and so I actually made a video recently of, like, how do you use your mental note tokens effectively? Because, yeah, you're going to write down, like, um, hits of, like, oh, this was turn four. You'll write a four on the green side. Great. Yeah. But I see when people ask, hey, um, have you ever been to a uh, subversive bookstore? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. And they don't do anything. And they, they just move, move on. on. Oh, my gosh. No, 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 no. Oh, Use, no. Write notes down. Write no. From It's currently round nine. So from runs one to nine, he, the recruiter was not on these five spaces because the subversive bookstore, every feature is on five different locations. So you know now they haven't been there on those There's five so spaces. There's so much information in a, in so a non-hit as well, right? And Rado, when he did his review um, for the Kickstarter, he said it perfectly. He's like, you know, I don't know what's worse when you get a hit of like, yeah, I, I got to choose which one to say I, I've been here. But when you don't get a hit, sometimes that's worse because now they're getting five pieces of information. Yeah, right. there's, some, there's some real magic in those two because before... You couldn't do one of my favorite techniques. This is a, a strategy tip for the rogue agents is when there's enough of those on the board and you've done a decent job of tracking the information, I just stand up and I look down at the board and I kind of uh, use my Visualize. psychic powers. Yeah. Yes, I use my psychic powers. I, I basically squint is what I do. <laughs> I squint at the board and I see a path. I, you can actually see the path of where they went. Because you have probably a couple numbers that you know, and then you see, well, he couldn't have been anywhere where it's red, and he might have been where it's green. Oh my gosh, he's over here, right? Right. And you can actually see it uh, because you're actually putting things on the board, which was never a thing that we had in the original, right? We didn't have that, and it was yeah. not a thing that the rogue agents could do. And so there's some really cool stuff that, um, because of these mental notes, uh, you can visualize people talk about them more. It gives the uh, recruiters some more insight into their thoughts and their thinking processes and that they think you're looking for these and you're like, no, I'm not. Ha ha ha. Right. <laughs> and then you might Brilliant. take them on this, this goose wild goose chase. Right. So, right. Yeah. I think they're a really good addition. Well, and one of the things that I love about those tokens um, be beyond what you've already mentioned, that they are so concrete and so satisfying to place. <laughs> um, I, I just love using them for that. But another thing that I love about them is personally, I think every hidden movement game is ultimately about leaking information. Um, you know, you have these breadcrumbs and you are, whether because of the actions or because of your facial expressions or <laughs> the conversation at the table that it kind of gets into this almost metagaming space, 
that you are leaking information back and forth um, across that divider. And one of the things I adore about what you've done here is that those mind tokens are almost a metaphor for the entire game, for that entire process of leakage. Hmm. That on the one hand, you have you know concrete information, and on the other hand, you have kind of this vague information. And the reason I say that to me that's a double metaphor is because one of my favorite things to do as the rogue agent is to the instant that they put down a false hit, uh, you know, so I, they say, have you visited flux coffee shops? And I say, no. So they put out all these tokens saying, okay, he hasn't been here as of time nine. My next goal often is to step onto one of those yes, coffee shops of course, yes. <laughs> because they're getting so dazzled by that information that's on the table that eventually they're just looking and seeing those white tokens and saying, well, he hasn't been here. And yeah, up to today, turn nine, but not 10, maybe turn 10 right. or 11. And so mm-hmm. if I step on them at 10, now they're looking other places. And I it's love great. the it's way great. that the game works that way. Um, but I imagine it took a long time to, to get to that point. So how did the process with pitching this thing and then having to develop it yourself, how did it all shape up so nicely? Well, you know, not to do some name drops, but we could actually um, credit a little bit of the the growth of this game to uh, Matt Leacock and um, Evan, Evan, Derek, and Sean the, Jackman. It was Sean Jackman, was it? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It's those three. We did a play test with, with them with this game. And it's a bit of a, a learning point for us with the fact that Sen and I, living in different cities, have our own play test groups. And we would play test. And we'd play test with that group and we'd play it over and over again. And, and every time we play it, because it's maybe even more so because it's a one versus many game, the side that lost would always say, man, it would have been better if I could have done this in the game. I'm like, well, oh, <laughs> that is a cool idea. Yeah, let's, let's add do that. that. <laughs> and we would just keep adding these things. And then we play with some brand new people who happen to be these, you know, three big wigs in the gaming world. And uh, they, their minds is kind of melted. And they're like, this is just too much. The learning curve was so steep. They couldn't keep track of all the information. And it was just too new and too much. And, uh, and they couldn't figure it. And, and it was way before we had mental note tokens too. Yes. Um, and so uh, we learned a lesson that it was like, wait, that's too much information. So we scaled it way back. What is the absolute core minimum that this game could be? And we found out that that alone was a really fun game. And we're so happy and surprised that the training mission for this game is actually actually on its own just a fun you know 40 minute game which is like that's so cool um and then obviously we have the full game but then we didn't obviously didn't stop there we had all these other cool ideas what do we do with them and so that's where we kind of came up with this idea for the shift system where the losing side gets to open a package and in there are components and rules and cards that add to the losing team so that they can now have a leg up in the next game that they play and what a cool perfect thing for a one versus many game to help balance and shift that balance back and right. forth. Well, and that's what I was going to ask when you were talking about your play testers is that, did you come up with some of the, uh, so I love the shift system. Um, it, it really does remove the sting of losing. Yeah, um, it does. You're like rewarded for losing. It's yeah, it's awesome. And, and, and it's never enough that I've wanted to lose. Right. <laughs> of course but, not. But when I lose, I get to do the cool thing, right? Because mm-hmm. now we get to open this package and read a little comic and add something new. And you can see how it'll change the game, but not all the way. So you want to actually play through it. Um, so were those early play tests, did any of their, you know, I, I wish I could do this. Did any totally. of that find its way into the shift? Oh, all of it almost. All of it. It was really? almost okay. all. Like, it, we obviously like grew it, but. It. Yes. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, there's 14, I think is now yeah, is what they ended up with. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like all, we obviously not going to tell you what all the things are for people that haven't played it yet, but, um, yeah, the, so many of those things were already baked into the game and it, obviously not all of them, all of them, because once we kind of came out with shift system, then we started figuring out, okay, what else can we do? How, how can we mirror what's happening in the comics? Yes. The story um, was important for some yeah. of them too. Yeah. Like there's a, there's a package and it happens to be package seven on the, uh, mind management side that is, I'm not gonna say what it is, but it just it literally flips the script and it changes the game dramatically. So okay. I I will confess I have um, so I pl- <laughs> I have played ten times. Oh, that's awesome. Which means we've seen um, I think we've opened nine of them. Yeah. Um, and I will confess though that when it was time to write my review, I knew I wasn't gonna play it uh, four more times. With the exact right ratio of wins to losses on the right sides, so I did open all of the shift packets. You're allowed, <laughs> um, and, and but this was in a professional capacity. Yes, uh, yeah, sure, I hope you sure. understand. Totally professional. Totally professional. Um, I haven't played with them yet, but I so I know what you're referring to, and I'm so excited to get yes. there. Yeah. It actually, ima- imagine so- Dan if you didn't open it and you opened it like in for reals. How like surprised you would have been. I know. Well, and I've had that experience <laughs> nine times, so I, <laughs> I have opened a number of packets. And that one um, flips the script so much that it actually says on the package, it says, uh, "If this is your first time playing with this new package, don't play with any other packages." Really, it says yeah, that yeah. in there. Yeah, it's because it's such a it's a lot, a lot of heavy lifting in your mind. For now, it's flipping the script. I'm not going to say more, but there's it flips it. Of what? Who's doing what? It's crazy. Well, I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I do intend to get there every every week. This has been so. I will confess. So for me, the hobby of board games is not playing games. It's writing about games. Mm-hmm. Which means that a lot of times people ask me, "Well, how do you think this game is good for more than ten plays?" And I'm like, "Well, I wrote about it, so I'm I'm probably done with it." To be honest. Um, and there are some games that are just so good, I have to return to them. This is one of those games. I fully Aww, intend to keep no, playing great. it. Um, and even even to have somebody play it already ten times, that's that's a tall order. Like nowadays, for you know the cult of the new type gamers to have somebody play it already ten times, that's fantastic. Well, and I'll be honest the uh, the only reason I actually got the comic was because I was going. Well, I could review it now, but maybe I need to research more. And it <laughs> and it, it was a uh, I was pulling a little psychic trick of my own to uh, it was an excuse to play more. Yes, <laughs> awesome justification. It's funny. So you know all those things in the in the packages and stuff that are like thematically linked to the comics. And now that you've read the comics, you've seen all of the weird marginalia that Matt writes. Right. That's where we got all of that. Like I literally spent days reading the rereading because i've read them already but rereading the comics when we were making the game um to like say okay what other things can we include and i read all the marginalia all the short comics i would talk to matt and say matt what do you think this could be and all that stuff is ripped from the comic sometimes we'd have an effect and then we'd ask matt like how can we what kind of psychic power could this be Uh, because this effect is really cool and and then vice versa like how can we get this this seems like a really cool character or thing that happens how do we get that into the game so before we talk about working with Matt, because I want to ask about that collaborative sure. process, but how did you get to the point where he was even collaborating with you? Because at first you had a publisher. Uh, so when did that jump happen? How did that happen? Well, it was, I, I mentioned that uh, when the publisher said no, it was actually Matt who said, let's just do it ourselves. He right. said, I have a background in graphic design, so I can do all the art and graphic design and you publish it. 
And so, yeah, so we made a contract up and that's how it is. So Sen and I, uh, sorry, uh, Matt and I literally, it was a dream come true for me having Matt as, you know, like a icon, like somebody I looked up to a hero, a, a really, you know, a cool creator that has like done so many cool things that I admire. And now I'm collaborating with them and working and helping develop new things that happen in the world that he created. Yeah. It was uh, just really, really wonderful. And this, this game is so much better because of the collaboration. Uh, it's a true, true form of collaboration when the product ends up being more than the sum of its parts. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, everybody's heads together made the game even better. Like he brought the idea of like you know the feature cards where just literally all it had to have was the picture of the bookstore, the picture of nope. the coffee cup. <laughs> but right. what he did is all on his own on that, and he oh, did, and I'm Matt. like that is unbelievable that blew me away i was I'm, i love those cards so much yeah that's hilarious that's hilarious so i'll have these days where he'll just say yeah i got a painting bug and he'll paint like like 40 pictures uh <laughs> he'll just do that because he, he can and it's it's amazing the output that he has and you know the other thing about my management format was that the game itself was an opportunity for him to revisit you know his book um mm-hmm. and you know he still does you know little short stories in the world but this was a real chance for Matt to take a look at his old work and like up it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't use, I don't know, Jay, how many, did we use any old art at all? Uh, yeah, there was a couple like just here and there. That's yeah. Very, right. The, the so picture very, and the picture of eraser on the inside of the yes. wallet. Yeah. Cause they were, they were big splashes anyway. Yeah. So Matt put a lot of effort into those originally when he made them. Uh, but all the other art in the in the game is fresh from the mind of Matt Kent. And he, him and I uh, have the same mentality, which is so wonderful, that we both love taking advantage of the medium that we're in. And he's proved it time and time again in his comics with all that marginalia that Sen was right. mentioning. Um, but he's done it in other, like, he even made a record and was a mind management record. And he did a Kickstarter for it. And it comes with a comic and you read the, you know, and it says, when they hear this chime, turn the page, one of those kind of read along records. Right. So cool. But you can listen to the record or you can read the comic. But if you do them both at the same time, uh, it's a different experience actually mm-hmm. it's just really trippy so he he does and so we did wanted to do that with this board game of like really what can we do that no one else has done and really take advantage of the medium and maybe one small thing i'll kind of throw out there just in case people aren't aware of this but in the shift system packages you open it up the card one of the at least one of the cards along the side will have a word preceded by three squiggly lines and the directions in the rule book says that um, if you want to find a little bit more like errata or FAQs about this specific card, go to this website called fluxsafehouse.com, which is a kind of a thing that happens in the comic, and uh, type in that word. And if you do, like a whole page of like errata and FAQ will come up for that card, which is great and allows me uh, to add to it as as people start asking questions uh, online about like, what about this? Whereas in other legacy style games, uh, when that happens, you're just stuck with whatever it is and have to find a, a form on BGG or something to see if somebody's right. answered it. So that's going to be nice to have. But uh, it also just says if you ever find anything where there's a word preceded by three squiggly lines, look it up on FlexSafeHouse.com. And if you do, you might be rewarded with an actual brand new card that you can print out and sleeve and add to your game. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah, there's oh more. <laughs> there is more content, my friend. Oh, well, I'm going to have to go hunting. Yes, you are. And that ties in so perfectly to the comic where, you know, I, I only heard about that record today, actually. But the person who was telling me about it 
uh, on on a forum that I'm on was was talking about that it even has secret messages. Yes, mm-hmm. which, which is just such a big part of this world that he's created that I I loved seeing. You know, what, I love, for instance, that your round tracker is is a decoder ring. Yes, <laughs> um, and every time we've played with someone new, they go, "Well, I want to hurry and look at the secret messages." on this card now most of course most of the time it's just it's fluff text right it's Mm -hmm. there it's kind of evocative it's silly um but i love that that's in there um maybe some of those lead to new cards (laughs) maybe some of them do we had a friend in the philippines who got the game and he just was like putting on facebook oh my god oh my god oh my god i have to work (laughs) but i'm just looking at the outside of the box he was like basically stopping himself from opening it so he could finish work (laughs) Because if he opened it, he knew it was all over. Right, right. Yeah, we wanted the experience of just opening the box to be a pleasure and a time-consuming effort in a good way. <laughs> a good consuming right. effort. That's yeah. occupational and therapy, there's so the there's messages hidden all over. Some, yeah, are just story and it's just a fun getting you into the world of it. And But some, yeah, some actually leave you, lead you to game-changing content. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that's interesting to me about the shift system is at any point, did you, you know, right now in the board game hobby, there is such pressure to not just create a game, but to create a line, right? A product line. Sure. Was, was there any point where you were going, we have 14 expansions <laughs> on our hands that we are just giving away to these, these doofuses. No. Never, ever thought of that ever. Not once. It felt yeah. like this is part of this experience. You're a great, you're a good guy, Jay. <laughs> no, it's it, true. This is it's true this, for both of us. Yeah, we never, never, thought, ever, ever, we never ever thought of doing expansions. Really? No, yeah. never. Because uh, I have heard a couple people say that they were surprised just at how generous you were with all of this content, and and maybe this is just me being cynical, but I am so accustomed to you know find to getting games where you need you can have four copies of every card but the the base box only has two or yeah no, I get or that. <laughs> the game feels like oh wow with something else this could be a, just really a rattlesnake and then you hear from the designer oh no but wait it's coming mm-hmm. um well no we're so generous that we, we're giving you even more freak stuff that you didn't even know about so yeah you, see you, you've got that's, more downloadable that's content. how generous we are yeah <laughs> I, I think part of it is because we wanted to tell a complete story right mm-hmm. and we wanted to give people that like experience um my philosophy is games are experiences in a box like a curated experience in a box and um you know the common mentality that people people have nowadays with kickstarter like save something for the expansion you know you can cut it out of this and you can leave it for a stretch goal or whatever that's not really um our mentality i don't think we just want the only best game yeah with the only exception that we did start with only 10 sealed packages and it was four more were unlocked during the uh, kickstarter so oh which was which was the max we had no more after that yeah we didn't want to draw that out too far because again we we believed that these are part of the game but also stretch goals are part of that game of playing the kickstarter game right but to to be partnered with matt and to have him do a comic book for every pa- sealed package <laughs> yeah. was mind blowing. So it gives you a little context of like, oh, that's what this kind of power is about in a fun way. Wow! And they're I new. Just, they're not like I'm, it's not like old comics. They're literally like brand new uh, little brand comics. New. So cool. 
Well, that's one of the things I loved about. Um, so, of course, my first experience with the world was just opening this box mm-hmm. and being presented. So, you know, you've got game in doubt quotes, opening it up and seeing that this is a pipe, <laughs> you know, that, that riff on uh, this is not a pipe. Yeah. And, um, and, and already it's questioning the idea of what is real, what is perception. Um, I, so I've, I've adored being able to go through and having those expectations constantly change. In a way, what you were saying earlier about uh, a game where what, what is the game being played? I feel like you've captured a little bit of that here. Was, that, right. was that deliberate? Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm glad you succeeded at the thing that I was wondering if you had known you were succeeding at. Yeah. Did, well, actually, one other question. The, the, there's a big comic book on the back of the board, right? Yeah. And there's also a comic on the back of the recruiter board, right? Yeah. Have you ever combined those two? No. <laughs> I'll, leave, I'll leave it at that. There you go. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think with with this being the first uh, off of Jay's imprint, uh, being a passion project for all three of the creators involved, um, and all of us being, you know, people who like to subvert expectations uh, in whatever way we can, uh, Matt specifically, <laughs> he's very subversive. Uh, yeah. That, yeah, that that is intentional. Like we created art in a box, is what we did. Um, it was not. It was. It was. It was created with the intention to subvert expectations in a lot of ways. Like this is going to blow your mind um, because we know that you know Matt's art isn't standardly uh, appreciated by everybody. It's mm-hmm. good, but it's not what everybody thinks of when they think of comic book art, especially they think of, you know, Jim Lee and uh, you know, that style of comic book type of art. Um, And we've, we've been super, so we've been so happy with a lot of the comments about, you know, you know, the art's okay, but wow, you know, it really fits this game. And I think that's even more important, right? That there's again, that resonant experience that the players are having where everything's sort of just, fits into place even if it's subverting an expectation it's like but this is even better than what i thought it would be or this is so right. different but it fits the world or all that kind of stuff you know the, the comments from a lot of reviewers have been you know uh if you've read the comics this is like the adaptation of the comic on the tabletop that's what yeah. this is um and you know the no higher praise can be given to be honest like whether or not we get you know tens on bgg or whatever I'm happy with that. I'm happy that we did our did justice to to Matt's comic. Uh, you know, Matt's a friend of ours, and that was the goal. Really, was to honor the comic more than anything else. And we created a decent game at the same <laughs> time. You know, it I, was, I think that's it, wonderful. It was a secondary goal for mine. First, just the the making this an amazing game. Obviously, just the biggest focus. But the secondary goal was now that I'm a publisher. I wanted to knock it out of the park so well Mm -hmm. that other comic book creators would come knocking and be like, Hey, that that's awesome. What you did over here. Can you make my thing into a board game? Sure. And, and that is literally already happened. So it's awesome. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. The, the art is interesting because both with the game, I mean, the game, of course, I'm, you're not looking at the art only you're looking at the production. Right. Yeah, and, this, yeah. and, and the version that I had is I, I backed the Kickstarter for the deluxe version. So when it's, when it shows up, of course, I'm, my mind is blown, but even when I was reading the comic, one of the things that stood out to me so much about Kent's artwork was at first I'm going, I don't know if I like this. 
Um, but because I trust, I'll trust him, you know, I'll trust the creator. I, I'm just going to trust that it's impressionistic. Maybe it's even deliberately off-putting. And then it does exactly what it's supposed to. It does exactly what impressionistic art does, where even that watercolor difference between one picture and the next, I'm getting kind of a, the gist instead of a concrete idea. And as somebody who I kind of don't like comics most of the time, mm-hmm. I loved what it was doing. Oh, that's, oh, that's awesome. Wonderful. Um, and so playing the game and getting, you know, uh, for me, this process of, uh, discovery was my first hint about some of these things, like an, a distraction box is of course coming mm-hmm. from a comic in the game. And then I go and I read the real comic and I'm getting more context on it. And mm-hmm. I love how it just keeps unfolding, um, in, in this very, uh, I love the sense of discovery that you can get from a game. And here's a game that is just so generous with its discovery, both, on the table and sort of paratextually, right? Like that I can go mm-hmm. out and learn more if I want, which That's I awesome. loved. That's awesome. It was, it was actually a kind of a goal of mine when I launched the Kickstarter, I didn't kind of put a big banner saying based on the New York times, best-selling comic book. I find that a little <laughs> off-putting and I yeah, think sure. it, it rubs me the wrong way. If I've never heard of the comic, I actually start to turn away thinking, Oh, I guess this is not for me. Cause I have no idea what this is. So I do, we just presented it as a game and uh, we knew the yes we knew that the fans of the comic would come cuz they're like oh okay sure let me check it out and so we wanted to have people that like games check it out and then exactly happen what happened it happened to a lot of people they're like they get interested in the game then they learn it's a comic book and then they get excited they're like oh there's more I can learn about the background of this game cool yes. even though it's the other way around yeah it was really actually really neat a lot of people bought the comics while they were waiting for the game to reach them. Yeah. So they'd have something to kind of tide them over because they're, I, I guess I'm invested for like the X number of dollars for this game. What's a couple more dollars to buy this comic <laughs> book. And and when you think about it, when we do licensed stuff, that's what brand extension is actually all about. It's to bring people to the other products, right? I mean, sure. there, there's that commercial aspect to all of this, of course. Um, to extend the brand, to to make people realize that it's more than just this game or more than just the comic. It's both of those things now. And now there's some more stuff that's coming out. Um, and there'll hopefully be even more stuff that we can't really talk about that might be coming out because uh, it's speculative right now. But the, the idea of extending the world of mind management from the comic from the record player, <laughs> oh my gosh, there's a record, uh, to the tabletop, um, and then beyond that in different formats. You know, that's... Man, it'd be so cool if it like was turned into a TV show, for example. It'd be so That'd cool, be for example, if it was. Uh, and uh, <laughs> then there's, there's all sorts of really, um, you know, really good things that come from that for everybody who's involved with the brand in, in kind of any way, shape, or form. So, um, you know, we, we have high hopes for not just the game, but for, for Matt's world in, in general and yeah. his success is our success and vice versa. So it's all good. So one of the things that stands out to me, and we've mentioned kind of the production of this thing, but just to give a sense of the scale. So you've got a double-sided board, you have hidden messages all over the place. You have all of this original art by Matt Kent. You've got spot UV glosses on the box. <laughs> you've got hidden messages everywhere. You, I mean, the double-sided board isn't even for the purpose of play. It's for some exposition. Um, you have tidbits tucked into your margins. You've got all of these things going on. I imagine the design process with this thing was far in excess of what many first-time publishers would want to bite off. I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, no idea. Well, let's just say that 
Matt will never do graphic design for any other game ever a board again. game. This is the hardest thing he's ever do. Especially the the board for this game was literally he said the hardest thing he had to do because you got to imagine an artist like an illustrator uh, usually designs for you know beauty and for artistic purpose, but not for functionality. They've sure. never had to design something for functionality. And I, I drilled that into him very hard that the game is all about being able to see these two features in every location. They need to pop. And so the first board he made for us, um, unfortunately, was was stinky, was yucky. <laughs> we did not uh, like we didn't it. like it. And I was in a pickle because, you know, here's a hero of mine. Now I'm working with him and he provides something that I'm like not excited about. And so I had a, <laughs> I had a meeting with him that I was not looking forward to. And I had to yeah. very dance around it. Like, yeah, I'm like, so I love this thing. And I love this other art you did. And the board, um, I'm, and I'm trying to like get the words out. And he just kind of cuts me off because he can see where I'm going. He's like, oh, he goes, oh, I hate it too. <laughs> i i'm relieved that that's where that story went yes yeah. and so he um he then we talked about what we th- like what would be better and then he goes i got an idea and he left and he came back with what we have here and it's like oh, are you kidding me i love it i love that board so much yeah and it works really well because you can see how this board could easily be too busy right yes mm. yeah, yeah absolutely um and it needs to kind of have that uh, sort of monochrome beige look so that all of those features can pop out, but yep. you don't want them to be too big and goofy. So I imagine that was a difficult process. It was. It was hugely difficult. There's a, there's a lot. Like we kept talking about, oh, Matt, just add a stroke around it. And he's like, no, that'll ruin the art <laughs> of it. And he's right, because it would. It would stand out too much. It would, like, wouldn't feel like it's in the world of my management. Because if you just take the grid lines off of that and you put it next to one of the pages in the comics, it's like, oh, they could be in the same thing. Uh, and you, you find that out a lot about working with, um, you know, games that have specific art styles um, that sometimes it's just not suited for games or you have to make some real concessions when you're doing it like the monochromatic idea that Matt took out um, and then the, the fisheye lens and all that kind of stuff that made this really actually artistic but functional. And uh, that's the, yeah. those balancing points that you have to do. Games are different, man. Games are just different. They are art, but it's different. <laughs> sure. <clears throat> so now that it's out in the wild, how, how do you feel? You feel like it's being re- well-received critically? Or is there anything you wish you had done differently? Any bugbears? Uh, Absolutely nothing would have done differently. Like, I am so happy with how everything is like the production how how much the manufacturer has really paid attention like there's there's errors and people are calling calling for certain you know things that are missing and blah blah blah. but it it, from my understanding it seems very low the number of people that have issues with that kind of stuff so i'm super happy with how everything turned out like that manufacturer of gameland like we're so they they knew and saw the potential and how awesome this game's going to end up being and th- they said that this is going to be their like crowning glory this is this is something they want to show to other people saying look what we can do as a manufacturer exactly so so they really um uh, held my hand and took and, and they they were pointing out stuff that I wouldn't have caught they're like well this if this is this is going to raise it by two millimeters and that's going to cause this to not shift right I'm like oh my gosh you're right it was just awesome so every everybody played a part in making this amazing game trays uh, helped brainstorm with me the concept of that wallet 
and it started out with them telling me like they they wanted to do everything in a in a box with all the packages face up and you'd have to shift to them like a comic book box and i was like no no i said i i don't want that i want i want players to be able to see all the packages which is a pretty grandiose idea like <laughs> it is yeah you know because you want to be able to see when you've got four open and the other side's got five open and I'm like okay which ones am i going to choose because you don't have to choose them all when you play i'll choose these three because i can visually see oh that's the one with the because again i assume you're playing this way when you're when you've opened a package you actually flip the comic book around because the backside has a little summary of what's inside that yes package. yes that's and what so, we do and so now it's easy to tell which ones are open and easy to tell what's in each one you're like oh i'll take that one and that one and you'll take this one great and so this how we ended up coming up with this crazy wild wallet idea for the deluxe now yeah. the the retail edition is unfortunately or whatever it is what it is it's just a bunch of loose boxes but uh it still has a, a see-through on the box so that you can put the comic and flip the comic mm-hmm. cool yeah i don't think there's anything differently that i would have done design wise I, I think you know obviously kickstarting it right at the beginning of a global a global shutdown was not you know <laughs> the greatest <laughs> thing to ever happen yeah, um, oops but we actually managed to to do pretty well on that, and then also the whole shipping thing. We actually managed to come out um, just not just, just right. We just for it. Oh man, just even the cost of cardboard and wood was going up. But I got my quotes in before that, so I, they had to honor obviously what I had. And yeah. then uh, if you've ever heard of the all the shipping woes that people are having with containers trying to get a container, yes. and it's tripled, quadrupled, uh, centipled seven times. Yeah. Oh um, what it costs, and I got in before, not before it. It was still about maybe double, double. what, uh, yeah. yeah, instead of the, uh, yeah. So it was everything worked out. It was working, is working out great. Plus, I was able to partner with um, uh, Burnt Island Games, and they brought the game to PSI in the states, a distributor. So now uh they i'm now my management is distribution in the states for a first-time publisher that's pretty much impossible to get distribution in the states because no distributor wants to deal with these onesie twosie publishers it's just it's very annoying for them because they come and go and there's so a billion of them um so they want you to have two three four games before they even talk to you but by partnering with bird island games obviously giving them a a a cut is fine but now i'm in with psi and i'm in distribution and there i'm also distribution canada through uh the fact that that original publisher that signed my management played at an open house of this distributor uh the game with them and they liked it yeah so they remembered when i contacted them and like yeah i love that game I'll, i'll i'll publish it and then the company that that owned the company that went under, um, they still exist, and they run Surf and Meeple uh, in the, the in Europe in France. And so they said that they'd love to distribute it in France. And so now I have distribution in in Europe and Canada and in the states, which is unbelievable. Wow. I feel like I fast forwarded my company like two or three years. Right. Right. <clears throat> Well, thank you both for joining me today. I, of course, the last question I want to ask you, well, actually there's two, okay. there's a per, there's a personal question and then there's the professional one. So the personal one is every time we've played this game, we just, we just play with everything we've unlocked. Is that a suboptimal way to play this game? No, uh, I, I would do that as well. And I, I remember in early January before the uh, Kickstarter launched, I went and visited some friends and we played this game 15 times in a row to, to just do a final last test of all the different packages. 
And we did that. We, I, I like doing that personally because I, I have the mental capacity to uh, accept it all. And I've lived with it for so long that it's, it's almost secondhand for me. Um, but we added that rule where you don't have to because of the fear that it might be too overwhelming for some. And so now players can choose. You're like, okay, you know mm-hmm. what? It will be six of these packages with all the rules and some things to re- remember. I'll just play these three. That I, yeah. I want to. That's fine. And that means you just have a lot more variety in your gameplay. So maybe next time you, uh, because once the game's all your packages are open, you can keep playing this inf- infinitely because nothing's destroyed or damaged or altered in any way, and you can mix it up however you want. You could use the shift system as a as a, um, uh, a mulligan or not a mulligan. Uh, what's the word? Sam? like a. Uh, oh, like a, a handicapping system. Handicap, that's the word. Yeah, handicap sure. system. He's like, I'll play the recruiter uh, with only two packages. I'll play with only one package. All right, all right, you go, you play it. And you use it for bragging rights. Yeah, yes. exactly. I won with <laughs> He had four packages. I only had one. So yeah, exactly. so it's it's pretty funny. Um, I know there's a couple of people on certain podcasts and that are really uh, big on hidden movement. And that was that was my challenge to them. It's like, hey, can you can you win continuously with never taking any packages as you know one side or the other so we'll see <laughs> if they do it we'll see <laughs> i think our best run is that we had um so i i tend to be i i love playing both sides of this but i'm very good at the deduction side Ooh. and so we we did have a run where um you know so we're we're of course uh, dividing our time we're not just having one person be on uh, the hidden side every time. So I was uh, playing against uh, three people in succession. And I think on the last turn before they could get their final uh, <laughs> recruit, I was like, uh, I was just sitting there for like 10 minutes doing kind of my galaxy brain. You know, you can see numbers <laughs> coming out of my head and equations. Right. And then I go, that's where they are. <laughs> Capture them. And finally what happened was the time we lost finally to the recruiter, was I did my my goofy uh, galaxy brain thing, except we couldn't move there <laughs> to ah. capture them. We, uh, because it, is a, it is another thing you have to keep track of that yes. most people forget is like yes you can know everything but if you don't spread out go there. Yeah. yes and and what we had done wrong is we had we had used Dusty too early. Well, Dusty sucks. So you yeah, it's all it's always Dusty's fault. Always. Yeah. Matt it, it will was, say that. I will say that. This was Dusty's fault. Always like hardcore Dusty's fault. So I, I am on board with blaming it on Dusty and not Good. on me for having Dusty take a move too early. <laughs> so here's my professional question for you. So what is next? What what would you like to plug? What is next for Sen? What is next for Jay? What's next for the Bamboozle Brothers and or Off the Page Games? Uh, the time is oh, yours. It's a lot of good stuff. You start, Sen. Sure. So I have another comic book game coming up. Well, it's actually on Kickstarter right now. Uh, Rat Queens. So it's another big Canadian connection. Uh, Myself and Erica Buyuris, the co-hosts of Ludology and of the Meeple Syrup Show, are the designers of that. So she and I did that. And then Jesse Wright, who is another co-host on Meeple Syrup, they are the developer of it for Deep Water Games. So that is on Kickstarter currently. Rat Queens is a comic book about uh, a mercenary band of of women who kick ass and take names and get gold and drink beer and they are awesome <laughs> and uh yeah it's but the writer is curtis weeb who is a fellow canadian who is currently um in the uh where is he norway sweden sweden he's in sweden he works for 
I believe Ubisoft now he's writing for them. So, okay. Yeah. So that's really cool. And that's coming out. Uh, well, it's out. It's on Kickstarter now. And then, uh, Oh wow. Next week. Oh my gosh. Next week, uh, <laughs> Avatar, the last airbender, um, the role-playing game called Avatar legends. Uh, so I write role-playing games as well. And that is one that I'm working on for Magpie cool. games. And that comes out next week on Kickstarter. Uh, I'm one of many writers on that team. So those cool. are the two projects that I have going on right now. Very cool. Well, you also have Jiangxi is is coming out to, to backer soon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That'll be delivered to backer soon. We just actually got proofs for Jiangxi Blood in the Banquet Hall, which is a another role playing game that I wrote with Banana Chan and in a brand new IP, brand new world. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that's, that's no, it is like it's not based on anything. Is what I mean. Oh no, 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 no. We it's just based on like restaurants <laughs> Chinese it's Chinese Chinese restaurants that's what it's based on and vampires and vampires psychic vampires <laughs> awesome. always always psychic things <laughs> <laughs> then Sen and I also have a game that's uh, going to be delivered to backers uh, and then somehow to the rest of the world I guess in the end of the by the end of the year um, called my my singing monsters based on an app that's uh, you may or may not have heard of it's a uh, you know targeted towards younger the younger generation, uh, one of these kind of apps where you breed monsters and they, they sing these wonderful little uh, tones and notes. And uh, the more you breed, the more you create this little music soundscape. And they came to us, uh, the pu- publishers of this app, asking if we could build a, uh, a board game for them. And we did. And it went on Kickstarter and it was successful. And it's coming out at the end, by the end of the year. And it's got a cool concept where the game grows with you and your family. And it kind of trains your family to become gamers because it starts off mm-hmm. pretty easy. Yeah. And then it gets more and more complicated. I might cool. say complicated. Like it gets up to a entry level Euro game sure, by the end. Sure. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, other than that, um, Sen and I also oh, have our, up from off the pages. Well, Sen and I also have a, our third Coded Chronicles game, where oh, yeah. these are these escape room in a box games. First was Scooby Doo, the second was The Shining. So these escape rooms based on IPs, and so the third one hasn't been announced, but it's done, it's baked, and it's coming out this year sometime. Uh, we can't announce it out of the title until they. I tell can us. tell you the announcement date. <laughs> oh, when's the announcement date? <laughs> August thirteenth. Oh, cool! I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, cool. So that's exciting. Uh, and yeah, as far as then for me before off the page games, I say, uh, I have a party game coming out next year. It was supposed to come out this year, but nobody wants to release a party game this year. Um, <laughs> sure. Right. Yeah. So that was called draw the line from synapses games. And it's a kind of a connect the dot mixed with miming and acting out things. <laughs> that's a pretty funny, uh, concept for a game. And then for off-the-page games, um, I haven't fully announced it, but we have signed contracts with comic book creator and illustrator for our second game. Uh, the game has been in production for five-ish years, and now it's been ported over to this IP, this brand, and uh, I'm so in love with it. It's got a lot of cool things going for it, and I think it, uh, again, does the brand really proud, and I think uh, the art for this is wonderful, and it'll fit really nice next to the mind management box. And so we'll be announcing it fairly soon. We just want to have a few more like art assets ready to yeah. kind of before we make the announcements. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. It'll probably kickstart like next year, like April or something. Cool. <clears throat> well, thank you again for, it sounds like you've got a ton of stuff going on, but thank you for coming uh, and chatting with me. I'm so excited. I'm glad that I got to hear a little bit more about all of this process, especially because I'm so in love with this world now. <laughs> um, and I'm 
you know, I, this friend I was speaking to earlier who uh, he offered to send me the record <laughs> and I do not have a record player. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> well, and you so can... there, there was some part of me who's like, well, who, who can I mooch a record player off of so that I can listen to this? This friend can loan me a record. It is available on MP3. You just need the comic. Yeah. But this is, well, I'm just, I, the reason I'm saying this is this is what you've done to me. Yes. Oh, well. Yes. Just so you know, there's a couple other comics that Matt wrote that are semi-linked to to mind management in some ways. So there Super are there, there Spy are other things out there. is awesome. If you ever get, it's, it feels exactly the same kind of thing as mind management. It's yeah. awesome. Okay. Wonderful yeah. comic book. And then yeah. uh, the, the three story man is he, he, yeah, it's, is, linked, yeah. it's all linked. So. Okay, because I've been, I have been in that mode where I'm like, well, is there anything good like this? Because, like I said, I usually, I kind of don't like comics a lot of the time. I hope that's not too offensive. I no. don't. It's it's not a it's not one of those things where I'm like, ew, comics. It's just I I the comics I've read, I'm usually like, oh, okay. Um, but it takes it takes a really good comic to draw me in. Uh, but this one has done it. So awesome. That's so yeah. Great. I think you know with comic books, a, a lot of it is that blend of art and writing that has to be spot on for you to like. Yes. And even when it's the same writer and artist, sometimes I don't like the comic as much either, and that's okay. Uh, but if you're looking for other creators that are similar uh, to Matt, um, you know, then Jeff Lemire would come to mind, a good Canadian boy. Um, other people, <laughs> well, like, uh, so Cullen Bunn, who we've talked about before, uh, is an excellent kind of more of a horror uh, and writer type of thing going on so yeah there's a couple people who are you know if you look for that style of writing um that that could be helpful and that's the kind of people i want to partner with the part the people that own the property that want to see their game really uh their comic really come to life in a new medium right right well, and that's that's the cool idea. That's what appeals to me way more than uh, you. You know, you mentioned restoration games earlier, and I I really like um, what they've done with the Unmatched series. And then they announced all these Marvel things, and I'm just going, oh well, I'm out of those. I I have no desire to play more Marvel things. Um, but the idea of unique worlds that designers are really invested in, as opposed to something they're kind of dipping their toe in temporarily. I love the idea of uh, exploring those worlds. Cool. Well, uh, well, once again, um, I am Dan Thoreau and I was joined today by uh, Sen Fung Lim and Jay Cormier. Thank you so much, not only for speaking with me, but for designing what I think is one of the year's best games. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us, Dan.